Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapsEXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-main No lanes on the track when we unite and spit This isn't A-game, better bring your A-game Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-main No lanes on the track when we unite Hey now, it's the Mike and JD Show And I'm your host, Mike Gilbert and uh, JD is out this week, so I'm with my cousin. He is fed pilled. He is Joe Gilbert. How you doing, Joe? Doing pretty good, man. Good luck to JD tonight. State championships, really big deal. Yeah, yeah. He's traveling with his uh, wrestling team. I hope they all kick ass, and I hope his uh, hope his son gets a chance to whoop a couple asses too. Um, but he's probably in a hotel room right now with a bunch of stinky teenage boys after wrestling meet. So. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure he'd much rather be here with us, but he actually, yeah. so, uh, everybody's like, why is JD off this week? I'm like, dude, JD has like three jobs. He's getting his master's degree. Um, and this podcast pays him like no money. So, yeah. <laughs> so naturally, naturally he doesn't mind. He has to take off every once in a while. You know, honestly, you asked me to do it, but early this morning and, uh, yeah. I just naturally assume that he watched something on dynamite that finally broke his brain. He's like, no, I just got to take the week off, but <laughs> you know, state championships, much better reason. I hope everything yeah. is going great for him this weekend. Yeah, me too. And speaking of which I'm going to, uh, bring this up, um, right now. So, um, last week we actually released a movie that JD, uh, wrote and produced. It's a documentary film called independence wrestling with the community. Um, and we've got a whole synopsis here that we put together. So basically, it's about a, a wrestling program in Independence, Iowa. And um, a pretty successful program, but they were not getting any community support. So they called JD up, asked him if he can come and do a movie about it. And sure enough, he went over there. He actually got a really good documentary out about it um, and followed them all the way uh, in their quest to uh, to go capture a state title and uh, and in hopes that the community would actually rally around them and they would get funding and things like that. So... Um, everybody, if you could do me a favor, this is up on the Mike and JD show YouTube channel. Um, if you could give me a big thumbs up right there, throw a thumbs up. And then if you could just put a couple comments in here, as you can see, it's only me and JD commenting on it right now to each other. So, um, here, here's why that's important. So our, our YouTube channel is essentially like a place just for wrestling fans to kind of like kick it and uh watch some stuff me and jd tell a lot of jokes and we break we talk we don't break news but we talk about breaking news and all that stuff it's not really a youtube channel designed to like have a full length uh, feature film on it so it's going under the radar right now but if people will like the video and comment on the video it will eventually hit the algorithm and that'll send a signal to 
like documentary movie fans that, Hey, look, this YouTube channel, these guys got, they're actually putting movies on it. So maybe we can go there and check that out. And then if it gets to be successful, I think JD has a couple more of these in the can and we'll start being able to put like full length feature films onto our uh, YouTube channel. And that would really help us out. So if you could do me that favor, I would greatly appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this probably tomorrow actually, cause I've got nothing going on. And I do really want JD to get the encouragement to follow more of, of that side of wrestling too. I shot him an idea a few weeks ago about the idea of, uh, you know, Olympic wrestling, Olympic style wrestling and how it's impacted pro wrestling, knowing yeah. his knowledge from both sides of the wrestling spectrum. We need to bring that out of him. He's got so much, man. And I'm just looking forward to it being brought to the surface. And this is going to be a yeah. great place to start. Yeah, so we premiered it on the YouTube channel on Tuesday night. I actually ended up watching it after Dynamite on Wednesday night. I, I sat down and I watched the whole movie, and uh, I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. Got a lot of cool characters. The head wrestling coach there is kind of a nutty dude. He kind of reminds me of my wrestling coach from when I was in high school. So um, I, I really got a kick out of it. So everybody go check it out. Independence Wrestling with a Community. Uh, support JD's project. So we would greatly appreciate it. Um, but Joe, uh, you have not been on in a while, man. I'm really looking forward to having you whenever JD said he couldn't make it. I was like, fuck, you know, I, um, I'm going to get my cousin Joe to come on. Cause a, he offers a different perspective, but B I just have not, I don't really get a chance to talk to my cousin all that often. So it's just kind of yeah. cool to have you on the show. Yeah. I appreciate it. I was really looking forward to it. As soon as you asked all day, I've just been kind of sitting and stirring and thinking about more AEW wrestling than I have in months, probably all day today as soon as you yeah. asked me to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we actually, we have some AEW topics, but um, right now I think this week, well, the top two topics are, um, are WWE related. Yeah. Now uh, WWE and TKO, they really want us to forget about the fact that they're currently undergoing a sex trafficking uh, investigation and that the federal government is actually investigating Vince McMahon. There's this big lawsuit that's out there by Janelle Grant and her lawyer. Um, well, there's been a snowball effect, and this Ashley Massaro story that, that broke a few years ago is really starting to pick up steam, and uh, Ashley Banfield on News Nation is really covering um, this story. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, Stephanie McMahon has been basically not connected to any of this stuff, but um, Ashley Massaro's friend, I can't remember what her name was. Uh, the last name is... Um, is hold on just a second papilla so she said that masaro told her that her own drug this is from the observer but as he's just pulling it from ashley banfield show on news nation uh papilla pipia said that uh, masaro told her that her own drug issues with a soma addiction came from talent passing around the drugs that's pretty widely known right there uh she said in kuwait she was uh oh man i hate saying these words so um but raped and sodomized <laughs> i hate saying that um, multiple times while in a drugged up state attempting to stay awake. She also said Masaro told her that a WWE executive who she didn't name actually took her from a room in a blanket in her hotel. So the, the company knew about it immediately. She also said the rest of the crew went home, but Masaro due to her medical condition from essentially being almost paralyzed because of the drug had to stay by herself in Kuwait after everybody else went home. She said Masaro had told her that she had spoken to Vince several times about the incident, corroborated the boardroom meeting, where she was told not to report it, which WWE had always vehemently denied. And then she brought up that Vince had Stephanie to talk to her as a woman to be sympathetic. Uh, 
Pipia also corroborated that Massaro told Dr. Fernando Rios, um, who has uh, since uh, said that he was told by Massaro what happened, but the Massaro asked him to be quiet about it. So this is her friend basically confirming uh, the story that Ashley Massaro had told her in 2006. And Constantine Kairos um, actually uh, released an, the affidavit that Massaro signed during the um, – during the concussion lawsuit that was going on. Now that's a long affidavit, but it basically spells out everything that, that has been out there. So I'm not going to go ahead and go and read in detail, but it names, um, it talks about the different injuries she's suffered. And then of course the incident in Kuwait. And then it also talked about Vince McMahon making a pass at her, um, almost trying to force himself on her. And then when she rebuffed him, um, you know, trying to destroy her career by writing her terrible, like dialogue lines on raw. And that, um, um, when the, she had the script, she showed it to Michael Hayes and Michael Hayes said, who the hell wrote this shit? And she said, Vince, and he goes, Oh, them's the breaks kid. And yeah. then she knew that her career was over. So, uh, the story is not going away. It just keeps picking up steam. And, um, I, I don't feel like it's getting enough coverage in the, the wrestling mainstream. I know Dave's covering it pretty well. I know Wade is, but, and, and I know Rich and Joe are talking about it every week on voices of wrestling. So, um, if there's any new details, I'm going to bring them up here every single week, right at the front of the show. Yeah, I will say, and, you know, it's good for whoever does bring it up. I'm on one side okay with not every wrestling journalist covering it. Purely from, I want journalists covering the yeah. story. People who are used to covering serious issues and investigating and handling these topics with care. I don't need every wrestling blogger out there. The people who are going to take it seriously and do want to bring it up and take it seriously, more power to you. You have an audience, you have a voice, use it. But I am okay with not every wrestling journalist doing it because they're not used to covering these types of sensitive topics. Let the real journalists do that and the people who do want to talk about it and serious issues. You, you have a position that you are used to big topics, big conversations, you have a, a very important voice, but not everybody does. So I, I'm okay with that. And it is important to note in the Ashley Mazzaro case, for those who may have forgotten, she did take her own life a few years ago. Yeah. And there was a lot of discussion after it happened over what could have caused her issues to want to lead her to do that. For wrestling fans who have you know known the story, I don't think there was any secret as to what led to some of her mental health issues. A lot of it's going to come back now, and in her case, there could be a lot more that comes out later for it. Uh, yeah, and um, her friend did was on News Nation, and you know, it's really hard to confirm like why somebody would do that, right? It's a yeah. touchy subject, but she, it was her opinion that that it was this issue that led it to it, and probably one of the bigger issues that led to it, right? Because I'm sure there was yeah. a lot of things going on, and but this it, was one of the the things that kind of stuck with her that that yeah. that helped make help helped her make that decision. Yeah, very. Uh, and don't want to speculate, especially for somebody yeah. that I've never talked to, known or anything. But that is a major life trauma that that is a major snowball that leads downhill. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as like um, wrestling bloggers not covering it, that's fine. I just want you all to shut up. Like, I'm just yeah. not like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't take you seriously. Like you're, you're essentially a fanboy at that point. If you can't cover both the good and the bad, I don't really have anything. I don't have any respect for you um, if, or your, or their channel. So yeah. um, if all they want to do is cover the positive, if they want to be the Russell joy for WWE, 
um, that's fine. I just don't find you to be a serious person. So I'm not interested in anything that you have to say. Um, I am, I, dude, I am not a wrestling journalist and I am very uncomfortable talking about this. Like, as you can see when I'm reading the observer, those yeah. notes, like even saying those words out loud makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it, but yeah. I feel like it is important to not let this story go by because that's exactly what WWE is trying to do. They're trying to get you to forget this story. They, they're, you know, the rocks back They're They're pointing everybody towards this, uh, this uh, storyline with Cody Rhodes and the whole thing. And now they got the rock and the bloodline. Um, they want you to forget. Well, we're not going to forget. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about it every single week. And it's, and it's always going to be, um, it'll always be the top story and it's always going to be whatever storyline shit they have going on. Yeah. I think the, the, I hate seeing the good thing of this is it, whether it's covered in stories or not, it's now in the hands of the legal process and yeah. whether or not, PWI or Fightful or The Observer or, you know, hard to kill blog at YouTube.net or whatever is covering it. Judges are not going to forget. Lawyers are not going to yeah. forget. The right people who need to be investigating this now are not going to forget about it. Yeah. Well, I, ho I hope so. Um, the media can't put pressure on the judicial system to yeah. take things more seriously. And so, and honestly, I don't think that um, we would have pressure on the judicial system had, you know, Vice not done their story, had the Wall Street Journal, Journal not done their story. Um, you, you know, the legal system has been using the media um, to get their stories across for a long time. And it's both good. It can be both good and bad. Like you, yeah. it can, it can, it can absolutely work against you. I think in this case, it's, you know. It's the two systems kind of working parallel together for a good yeah. cause, and I and I appreciate it. And I appreciate like Vice Media and Wall Street Journal kind of getting into this space um, in the wrestling thing. And because I just don't think we have enough people on this side that are like you were saying qualified to be able to do like these kinds of in-depth stories. So we're letting the professionals do the actual real stories, and then when they publish them, then we will talk about them on yeah. on our shitty little wrestling blogs that we have. Yeah, that is a very good viewpoint. And Vice, they've done so much important work in the past. So good on them for just yeah. not going away. And they've, you know, Vice has a tie to wrestling already. Uh, yeah. So they're, this not going under their radar was to be expected, I would say. Um, yeah. They, they, they knew of Vince McMahon. I think wrestling has so long just been the forgotten little niche corner of entertainment that anything could happen in it and nobody would care. Like outside of Owen and Benoit, like nobody outside of the niche corner of entertainment would care what was happening in WWE. So kudos to Vice for not letting everything go under the radar these last couple of years and bringing some of these dark stories to the forefront. Yeah, and it's the best way to hold people accountable. But uh, yeah, uh, as more news breaks, we will continue to talk about it. Uh, we're we're going to move on from that topic, though. Um, uh, oh, we got uh, Josiah in the chat. Look, I know it's it's an off night tonight. I can tell because there's only one guy in the chat. <laughs> so Josiah he said Dynamite was actually pretty great this week. It was pretty great. Uh, and if JD had a chance to watch it, I think he would agree. It's it yeah. was kind of like a show geared towards JD. So, um, but yeah, so. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go to another dark topic and then the rest of the show is just going to be fun. Let's get the dark shit out of the way. Um, so our, the next story, dude, this one is a wild one. Um, Joe, this is before your time, but Billy Jack Haynes, he was a, uh, he actually wrestled in the WWF in 1987. He wrestled, um, 
you wrestled uh, Hercules Hernandez at WrestleMania 3. I think WWF just called him Hercules. But it says right here, uh, ABC News, um, Billy Jack Haynes has been taken into police custody in connection with the death of his wife in Portland, authorities say. Portland police said in a statement over the weekend that Haynes, 70, was in police custody at a local hospital undergoing treatment for a medical condition unrelated to the homicide or his contact with law enforcement. So um, they ABC News probably doesn't know this, but Billy Jack Haynes has been in bad shape for a long time, and he's been batshit crazy for a long time. He's got some shoot interviews. He said at one point that he um, that he helped Bill Clinton kill people. <laughs> like, like he's Yeah, this, this guy's wild, man. But uh, Haynes was identified by police. Uh, as the suspect in a fatal shooting of Jeanette uh, Beecraft, 85, uh, police said they responded Thursday to reports of a shooting in a Portland neighborhood and requested help from special teams, including crisis and negotiators. Um, KGWTV reported that Haynes was detained two hours after two or detained two hours after two hours of negotiations. Police found uh, Beecraft dead inside the home. Um, a police spokesperson said on Monday they did not answer questions about the case, including whether Haynes had been released from the hospital, citing the ongoing investigation. It is not known whether Haynes had a lawyer who could speak on his behalf. I think it was reported later that he was uh, choosing to represent himself, I think. Um, I could be wrong about that. But, um, yeah, Billy Jack Haynes, man, he uh, he he's a, a wild man, has been for a long time. He's kind of a scary guy. But um yeah looks like he killed his wife man so it's just really another bad week in pro wrestling bad start to the entire year for pro wrestling really these last six weeks have have not been filled with just fun storylines and banger matches like yeah yeah it's uh we've been getting we've been getting some of that here i'm gonna uh i'm gonna pull up Oh man, never mind. I went to go pull up the Billy Jack Haynes story, but it's um it's behind a paywall. Oh. Let's see, hold on. They um let's see, former wrestler claims we witnessed murders of Don Henry and Kevin Ives. Let's see if this one has it. Okay. So here it says here, and I will I will pull this one up. So this he is in, into all kinds of conspiracy shit, dude. This guy this guy has been out there for a long time. So whenever the news broke that he'd killed his wife, like nobody was like shocked by it. Yeah. So, so this is from Billy Jack in August of 1987. I was contacted by the Arkansas criminal politician. He's talking about, um, he's talking about playboy bill, playboy bill Clinton there. Um, Oh God, what happened? Where'd it go? Oh, okay. And asked if I would provide muscle at Arkansas drug stop, said Haynes while reading from a paper. The criminal politician suspected that some drug money stops were being stolen. So while conducting security during the alleged drug purchase, Haynes claimed he witnessed the murders of Henry and Ives. Haynes also claimed that the politician believed police officers were involved in the, in the theft of the drug money. Haynes said that, that the teens were murdered by people working for the same criminal politician. He then said he met Linda Ives in 2016 and gave them the names of everyone involved in her uh, to her private investigator. Um, yeah, so this was like an open murder case. And, uh, he said that he was, uh, he was there, he was involved and that Bill Clinton was involved. So this guy is just, <laughs> this guy's whacked, man. So he was, he's 77, right? So his heyday was probably the seventies and eighties. Uh, he was, so believe it or not, Billy Jack Haynes was huge in Portland, um, where he still lives. Right. Yeah. So Portland wrestling working for Don Owen. He also, I think he, he did world-class for a little bit. He also did Florida and, um, he was in the WWF, but he just could not keep it together. He was just constantly kind of like 
that so he, you know he was always you know, like crazy. this with the promoters he was always yeah. crazy yeah okay. um let's see so name the cannot be blank billy jackson never had a gun although it's entirely possible it wasn't a registered gun yeah i mean people like you can prevent them from buying it legally they'll just buy it illegally yeah. that's how that shit works unfortunately it's much um, easier to buy America. it illegally in most places yeah yeah uh, Billy Jack choosing to represent himself tracks seems like the type. Uh, Chris Adams, another terrible, crazy mf'er, was terrified of Billy Jack. Left world class when he heard Billy Jack was coming in, um, coming back once he left. Yeah, Joe Lanza talked about that on his podcast last night. Um, this dude just always been like a crazy, wild dude, and people were just always, always afraid of him. But um, man, Billy, <laughs> um, just a just an awful year so far with pro wrestling, man. Yeah. Yeah, rough start to the year. Hopefully, uh, most of the really dark news is behind us, but uh, seeing how things have trickled out of the Vince McMahon story, I have a feeling the year's only going to get worse. So do try to take some of the good in with some of the bad. Don't let the bad go away, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't don't let the bad go away. So, um, so he debuted as Billy Jack, a character based on the 1971 movie about a returning Vietnam veteran. So he debuted on October 29, 1982, and was immediately put into a feud with Rip Oliver. So that's in Portland. During that period, Chris Adams was uh, with was in the promotion with wife Jeannie Clark, uh, Haynes Mary Clark, who later married Steve Austin uh, in 1983 and divorced her a year later. Uh, on December 12, 1982, Jack teamed with the oh, – okay, so he's just kind of going through the career here. So I pulled up the Observer. Um, he started using the name Billy Jack Haynes in 1984 – um, so yeah, and then he just he just bounced around all the different territories, and he was a top guy, big time bodybuilder guy, big time body guy. He used the uh, full Nelson, um, just a uh, you know a guy that just could never get out of his own way, an incredible talent, but he just never really made it as a top guy, unfortunately. Um, and now he's probably gonna go to jail the rest of his life, or he'll probably be hospitalized. I think it's probably more likely he'd be hospitalized uh, because he seems to be pretty mental. Yeah, given his age at 77 years old, it'll probably be easier on the system if he's hospitalized, not having to deal yeah. with him in a prison. Yeah. Oh, all right. So, guys, that's it for all the wacky stuff, all the dark stuff. So, okay. So, Joe, um, the WrestleMania main event right mm -hmm. now is, the, or is Roman Reigns versus yes. Cody Rhodes. So tonight on SmackDown, I saw the clip. Uh, the Rock basically became an official member of the Bloodline. We're heel Rock, 1998, 1999 Rock. He held up, actually, he held up the Gun Club. Yeah, I saw. He held I, up the Gun Club. I think he was calling Utah losers. I think okay. that's what he was doing because that's the Rock's humor, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he's now official. So, um, so night two is clearly looking like Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. Like that match has been signed. They've done commercials for it. That's happening. They very much were going to do rock and Roman and nice. they saw the backlash and they pivoted and the rocks like screw it. I'll just become a heel. So it looks to me like night one is probably going to be rock and Roman versus Cody and Seth, right? Yes. That's the impression from the press conference that I got. As soon as Rock slapped Cody and Seth jumped at Rock, had to be held back, I got the impression, oh, they're going to at least tease a tag match and see if they're interested and probably do a Seth title match on night two. That way both shows are really, like, both nights are beefed up. But yeah. everything from the promo Seth gave 
on Raw Monday, which was his best promo in years. Best promo in years. And everything from what The Rock said and stuff coming out of The Observer today, I fully believe a tag match is happening night one. And it's probably for the best. The Rock is 51 years old, and the dude is solid muscle. Like, his cart, he got blown up just from smacking gender <laughs> three times you know you're not going to get yeah. that wrestlemania cardio in two months it's just not going to happen so a tag match covers for him better and honestly his first match in what would be 11 years probably better to have somebody like cody and rollins involved in it who can carry a lot of the heavy lifting so they could do the tag match and honestly i feel like they're going to do cody or roman versus rock at a later date still that tag match and night two will plant the seeds for a later Roman versus rock match. Yeah. You know, people are pointing at maybe Saudi for that match. I think Saudi, uh, I think the rock would want to have it at WrestleMania, but do they want to wait another year for it? I, I don't know that they would want to do that because he could get like, he can get a big movie offer, but to be honest with you, the rocks kind of in a down down a little yeah. bit of a downturn in his movie career well, like he's not the same hot commodity that he was a few years ago and i still like the rocks movies i black adam ruled i don't care what anybody says but um he's he's not the big box office draw that he once was he's sliding a little bit he's like he's like you know late 90s schwarzenegger you know he's in that yeah. late 90s schwarzenegger run about the same age too right around when schwarzenegger had the heart attack you know before he did uh I think it was end of days, end of days, like his movie started to slide a little bit. And then he went and ran for governor. Yeah. So I, I mean, he's got what uh, Moana too. I'm sure he'll be a part of, they're not going to do Moana yeah. without Maui. Um, I don't know if Moana too has shelved the live action Moana, um, which that absolutely should be shelved. We don't need a live action Moana. This oh, no, it's, it's still happening because still happening. people in Hawaii are, yeah, we're pissed about it here because they're not filming it here. <laughs> you, you would think they're they're doing casting calls in Georgia. Uh, oh, like yes. a, yeah. So Very there's this Facebook tropical. page about yeah. There's a Facebook page about Hawaii casting calls, yeah. and um, because they film so many shows and movies out here, I keep looking at it like, hey, do you need a slightly overweight, balding, forty year old man that's in the military? Do you need somebody like that? To yeah. get shot because that's kind of the gig I want. I just want to go get. I want to play a dead guy. In CIS um, Hawaii. Yeah. So you know what? And they they had an open casting call. They're like, we're looking for military men. I was like, okay, great. That's perfect. That's me. They 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 said eighteen to thirty. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Oh, damn. That's well, just that hat on backwards. You could pass for twenty nine. Yeah, but once I take my hat off, I'm like you're fifty. <laughs> yeah. But no, back to the topic of the rock. We could get sidetracked. Sorry. Um. Yeah. No. He. I could see them doing it at WrestleMania 41. I could see them doing it at SummerSlam. They still haven't announced a venue for SummerSlam, which I think is interesting. I don't know when that announcement will be. If it were me, I don't know The Rock's schedule. I think in terms of ticket sales, he makes a bigger bump at SummerSlam than he does WrestleMania, right? Because at WrestleMania, you're going to get 60, 65,000 regardless. Is The Rock going to move five, ten thousand 10,000 more tickets at WrestleMania? Probably not. I mean, it's going to sell out or be close to sold out regardless. Now, SummerSlam that you're doing in a stadium, you might see a difference of, well, thirty five to 40,000 compared to maybe forty five to 50,000 if it's Rock versus Roman. I think a yeah. bigger business bump happens if he does it at a SummerSlam stadium show 
as opposed to WrestleMania 41 or Saudi. Yeah. I, I just think the rock sees WrestleMania as like the it show. And I, I just, I think that's when he would want to do it. And then if they do, if they wait till when WrestleMania is on Netflix, you're looking at a worldwide, uh, you know, exposure oh, to where uh, he'll actually get the, he'll actually get the numbers for that. So no, it's at the beginning of 2025 is when, is I, no, I that's no Peacock. No, never mind. Never mind. Raw Peacock is, is Yeah. Yeah, Raw is Netflix, not the okay. Yeah. So never mind. Yeah, well, so Peacock has the PLEs, unless they would try to negotiate a buyout, which I there's there was talk this morning of Peacock merging with um, Paramount, Paramount Plus. Yeah. Um, so I could potentially see them wanting to cut costs, and if Netflix is interested, taking it over. But also, WWE does do a lot of live viewership for Peacock. So I don't yeah. know if you want to lose those live numbers, but 2026, and I believe it's the summer of 2026 that okay. the uh, the PLE deal is up, and then I would 100% see it going to Netflix after that. Yeah, yeah, I I could uh, I I I think that eventually Netflix is going to be all inclusive with WWE. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's the move, especially if. Um, especially if that Peacock and Paramount Plus merger happens, because we just saw, I think two weeks ago, it broke that, uh, you know, ESPN, TNT Sports, and Fox Sports, they're coming together to to have like their super sports app where all their channels are going to be on that one thing. It's essentially just going to be a cable package. Yeah. And, well, uh, and I think they're going to call it Hulu Sports. I think that's what they're going to call yeah. it. That was a rumor, but. Yeah, that's what's happening with all these major streamers is everybody's realizing as, on your own, you're not going to get enough subscribers to cover mm -hmm. your debt. They should have just left it Netflix and Hulu and licensed their stuff out like they were doing before and everybody was happy. Um, yeah. But now everybody's just going to start merging together and we've got streaming cable now. Uh, but going back to The Rock, yeah, I agree. He sees WrestleMania as the end-all be-all. It's the bigger, the bigger platform for him. He's also on the board. And he does, as a board member, as a large shareholder, he's getting a lot of stock in this company. He does have to think the, about the business side of it, too. And yeah. I think through the meetings over the next couple of months, he may see a bigger business investment doing it outside of WrestleMania because he's going to make a bigger financial impact on a show that's not WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I could see that. I mean, I'm, I'm I think the betting odds would be WrestleMania, but I would mm -hmm. say SummerSlam. It's not like I don't think it's the most far fetched thing. Yeah. Uh, and I I think I think Saudi. Honestly, I would say Saudi would be more likely than um than SummerSlam because Saudi is becoming like the king of combat. Sure. Yeah, well, it's like the king of combat sports. Like that's that's like the home of combat sports. It's replacing Vegas essentially. Yeah, because all the biggest boxing matches are there now. And um, WWE holds a lot of their events there, and they just made the deal with the UFC, so UFC is going to start holding a bunch of big events there. And they'll probably start saving their bigger events for Saudi. Um, it, it is the like as evil as that regime is over there. They have done a good job of sports washing their bullshit, and uh, these these promoters—that's what they care about the most—is the money, and they're and they're they're taking their business over there because it's you know the home of combat sports. Not just the promoters, the the performers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look at Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou. Like, where mm -hmm. are they taking their fights? You know, all the performers want the most money in their pocket, and I get it. You know, get it while you while you can, because you're not going to be able to get it for long. Uh, so Saudi would, I could see Saudi paying more 
just to have the rock on their show and they already pay yeah. i think was it 40 50 million per show something like, like that, that. Yeah. i could see them paying an excess fee to have rock versus roman there i, I don't yeah. think the rock versus roman match is going away now that cody versus roman is happening and I, I've been talking with people. I think The Rock is the perfect opportunity after the Cody match for Roman to turn face down the line. The Rock is the perfect villain for Roman to finally turn face after three, four years now. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so let's go to the chat. John Muse says the Super Bowl commercial has those four guys facing each other, most likely a tag. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's a, a smart play there. And then he says that uh, Roman will put the uh, belt over blood, breaks the blood oath that Rock made a big deal about with his family at Tree Bit. So yeah, I, I think I think the way you do it is night one, um, Roman gets pinned because like the Rock fucks up, and then um, afterwards Roman turns on the Rock. I think I think that's probably where they go. And then a night two, Rock helps Cody win the belt, like or the Rock fights off the bloodline. I. I hate fantasy booking when I'm actually interested in the story because sometimes <laughs> when things are going well, if you try to put your own ideas into it, even if the payoff that you get is good, if it's not yours, you still get disappointed. Um, I like the idea of Rock taking the pen because Roman messes up. And then night two, Roman loses and the Rock gets angry. And then you start having Solo and Jimmy and Heyman looking to the rock instead of Roman and planting the seeds that the rock is, you know, Roman may be the tribal chief. The rock is the high chief. Roman can have yeah. his tribe. The rock's got everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's crazy. And then I, and then I'm, I'm interested to see if like the extended, you know, family tree, you know, mm -hmm. the Tongans, you know, Tama yeah. Tonga, Tonga Loa, Kikuleo, Jacob Fatu coming in. Um, I think there's going to be more than just the bloodline in this. They teased Heyman and Braun Breaker last week on SmackDown when Heyman came in to the or came in to talk to Nick Aldis, and Braun Breaker was there, and Heyman just was smiling as as big as he could. Uh, I think they're going to bring other superstars who are not just bloodline uh, related. Uh, Joe, Joe hold on, hold story. on, Joe. You can say wrestlers on the show. You don't have to say superstars. <laughs> wrestlers, superstars, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Professional wrestling superstars. Right. Sports entertainment. It's that, the, it's well, that the, fed it's that fed pill that you were you were given but, as a child. <laughs> but the, this story is is very sports entertainment though, right? It, it's yeah. very superstar ish. It's because the wrestling aspect of this story is so second nature. It's it, it's not what everybody's going to care about. It, you know, it's not AEW where the match is what matters, right? Yeah. It, it's the mic work. It's the the looks, the teases. That's going to matter in this story. Well, in WWE, it's celebrity wrestling. Everybody is larger than life, essentially. And, yeah. Uh, AEW has the great stories, too, but not everybody it's, is it's, the most larger different. than life character. It's a different, it's, it's a different type of... It's WCW and WWF. It's... it's you know, it's comparing it's like, Breaking Bad to the Avengers, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's what it is. It's it's very entertainment. It's on the big screen the same way, but it's a different type of entertainment. You know, it's yeah. Are you watching The Godfather or Scarface? Both great movies, very different type of movies, even though it's the same. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I feel you on that. Um. So, man. Um. 
So speaking of AEW, so Lucha Lucha Libre uh, CMLL is uh, is invaded uh, AEW, and we're covering here. They're actually going to send over the BCC to CMLL on um, March 28th. They're selling tickets are already selling like hotcakes. It's actually um, going to be the biggest sellout, like I think on record for Arena Mexico, um, like a sellout ahead of time. Essentially. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, it's very walk-up heavy. Like people just show up to the arena and buy their tickets, but people are buying their tickets early for this one, and that's not really normal. And it's because of this big match they got coming up. But Dave had an interesting note here, and um, and I love the fact that Americans are learning about lucha libre politics. So AEW has entered into the lucha libre politics game. So it says, uh, Dave says, as noted before, the deal with CMLL is that any on any television show that their talent appears on, no other Mexican wrestlers can appear. It doesn't matter if they work for AAA or not. It did, it did it did in the past, but it's no other Mexican wrestlers can appear. Some of the prior Mexican talent is mad that Tony Khan agreed to those terms, noting that AAA never made a demand like that for AEW to not feature CMLL talent, even though they were uh, warring in Mexico. We do know that at the start that Tony Khan's vision was to work with everyone in the early days. CMLL didn't allow its talent to go there because they were working with AAA, and New Japan didn't work with them under the Harold Mage regime. It was noted that Penta and Phoenix uh, were in AEW from day one in particular, and the feeling it's disrespectful to them. So that line is was essentially written by Conan, emailed to Dave, and Dave copied and pasted it into the Observer. <laughs> so um, uh, where, where was I? It said it was disrespectful to them that there would be shows, including perhaps multiple pay-per-views this year, in, including any pay-per-view from uh, anyone from CMLL is booked on. They couldn't even be allowed on the show. Previously, it was just Forbidden Door. Uh, there was an incident with Penta coming off the Jericho Cruise where he stayed for Dynamite as he was under the belief that he was booked on and was there only to find out that he couldn't appear on the show because they had booked CMLL guys for both Rampage and Dynamite. Um, dude, this Lucha Libre war between CMLL and AAA is hilarious. It's funnier than AEW versus WWE. It really is. Yeah. I think uh, I want to credit the right Twitter account. I think it was Lucha Blog that tweeted out yeah. today. So that every two months, AEW fans or American fans get to find out that CMLL and AAA do not like each other. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> there's so much bad blood there. Yeah, I, I didn't realize the extent of it. You know, the funny thing is, is that there were there's been some shows recently they had CMLL talent on there and like Mexi- other Mexican wrestlers were there like commander would wrestle on the shows. Yeah. But it seems like that as AEW and CMLL kind of cement their partnership, um, AEW kind of bends more to their will a little bit and it's yeah. like, does not want to disrespect them. And the fact that that's disrespectful is just bonkers to me. But, um, but you hear jo- Josiah in the chat says, <laughs> says uh, Conan trying to stir stuff up with CMLL. Yeah. Conan actually took the Twitter and said that, um, that you know, it's it's awful when politics gets in the way of wrestling or something like that. Yeah. And, and he he probably just got done sending the email to Dave. And Josiah says the story changed as Commander worked the show with CMLL talent on it. My theory is that it was Conan. Yeah. So um, I it would be interesting to see if if Commander or Penta or Phoenix anytime soon wrestles on a show with CMLL talent. But what I've been saying is I think that Penta and Phoenix are probably going to try to leave AAA and go to CMLL. And I think Phoenix is already a free agent in Mexico. I don't think he's in a contract to AAA anymore. So he's no longer a AAA guy. 
Um, but I, I don't think it's that far-fetched. I know a lot of people shit on me like last week or the week before when I said that Roosh would probably go back to CMLL. I think if his AEW paycheck, like if it helps his paycheck, right, and helps the relationship, I think they could probably come together to work a deal to where Roosh could actually return to CMLL. I don't think that's too crazy. And I think that's probably what Conan is afraid of, right? That you have your AAA guys working with AEW and the owner of AEW is getting a good working relationship with your biggest rival in CMLL. And if you're a Mexican wrestling talent who works for AAA and your contract comes up, does it serve you better in AEW to work with AAA or CMLL? Like, who who is Tony going to view you more favor- favorably working for if it's going to be the company that he has the better working relationship with. So I could see Conan being upset about that. Uh, yeah. Um, but he, he knows the deal here. He, he clearly sees the triple A is getting pushed out here. Yeah. Um, and I mean, look, triple A was it hard to kill. Antonio Pena was a hard to kill and signed a fake agreement with TNA. We have not seen any triple A talent since then, actually. Yeah. Uh, in TNA. Well, I, you know, Vikingo was on, the tapings after that, but since like they, they went to Orlando or Kissimmee, Florida, like, no, there were no AAA talents on that show, except for Laredo kid who happens to just work for TNA. He's like more of a TNA guy at this point. He's yeah. on every show. So, um, yeah, let's see. Oh, Josiah's back. He says uh, for AEW, the, the CMLL deal is definitely better. They are less of a mess backstage. What it wasn't that long ago that they were a pretty big mess too. That uh, yeah. done the pandemic. Pandemic damn near killed CMLL dead. But uh, they they're they're rising up, man. So uh, good for and them. But you may may have to correct me if I'm wrong. But they were fairly interested in selling to WWE, right? And the the holding point was WWE didn't want to buy Arena Mexico. Was that true? Uh, you know, I don't, I, I think I vaguely remember that story. Oh, but hold on. Josiah is talking crap. Hold on. It's my Canadian Mike. If Antonio Pena was there, that'd be remarkable as they would have to dig him up. Who was it? Oh, it was Dorian rolled on. <laughs> yeah. Look, that's how old I am. I'm talking about the original guy, Antonio Pena. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vince McMahon senior was there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My bad. <laughs> Oh man, um, so let's get into the TNA and uh, and Scott Demore news. Um, so a lot a lot has been said. I, I want to get your take on this as somebody that watches TNA occasionally. Yeah. Um, you know, they they seem to have your interest a little bit with the with their return and Hard to Kill and and of course the Josh Alexander and um, Will Osprey match, but. You know they went ahead and fired. They went ahead and fired Scott Demore and Ed Nordholm, the guy that kind of brought them to this point. And uh, they put a stooge in his place, Anthony Chichone, and uh, a guy that used to be on their television show called Doctor Ariel is now taking over as kind of like the head of production or head of creative there. And is uh, Doctor Ariel Dreamer, that Tommy Dreamer's real name or? No, no, no. Tom, so Dave reported that Dreamer was head of creative, but Dreamer wanted to get out in front of it. He's like, you know, he saw that, um, you know, Big Con and PCO were wrestling and no surrender. He's like, hold on, guys. That fucking wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, that was not me. I am not the head of creative. I have a boss. So he, he, he wanted to come out and make sure that everybody knew that he was not the one booking this shit. So um, Scott Demore booked no surrender. And then after that, I guess it's going to be the creative team running it through Ariel Schnerner. However, I can't pronounce his last name. Um, but that's that's what it looks like going forward. So when I first seen the news, uh, my first thought was to text you and say, LOL, TNA, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but honestly, 
because I, I don't watch weekly. You know, I don't watch a lot of wrestling weekly. I mostly pick big matches. And over the last, I don't know, year, year and a half, maybe two years, a lot of those big matches were starting to come from TNA, and a lot of them were Josh Alexander. Uh, yeah. I worry, I was getting really excited about TNA being a viable third option uh, where younger talent could go and develop and TNA could really build themselves back up because they were a good spot. You know, they were becoming a very good spot. Scott Demore was very much that guy. He was the one figurehead in in American wrestling, at least, and maybe in all of wrestling that any fan who watched the product loved the guy. You know, there's a lot of AEW fans who say, oh, God, Tony Khan's on his shit again. Most WWE fans or just wrestling fans in general have despised Vince McMahon for decades. Even Bushy Road over in Japan, a lot of people are not liking what they're doing. Nobody had anything bad to say about Scott Demore. The talent, the fans, everybody involved was loving what he was doing in TNA. And honestly, I hope it works out for him, but I, I don't see it going well. I hope the creative team they have can keep the ball rolling in the direction that he had it going, but that is such such a bonehead move. Yeah. You know what? I think Scott Demore and Lou D'Angeli. Lou D'Angeli is kind of like their live events coordinator, and um, I, I think they did a really good job of being able to make their show bigger, despite the fact that their creative had not been good for a long time. They They – basically they were just getting towards these really good matches and they were trying to have really good matches, but the stories just were not all that compelling. It was very paint by numbers. And so um, you can overcome some bad storytelling with really good matches. Um, You can overcome bad matches with really good storytelling. Ideally you would like to have a little bit of both and they were missing both ingredients because there were like these ebbs and flows of the company. Um, But I would say since Don Callis left, uh, who was kind of like their, they're probably the most creative guy in that room. Um, it, it had been kind of paint by numbers. So they had a really lot of, a lot of really cool stories when Callis was there. And then once he left and he went to AEW, it kind of went downhill a little bit creatively. Now, once he left, Scott Demore was able to bridge the gap with New Japan, right? He was able to bring New Japan back in as a partner. Um, and he that which led to some really like cool and exciting events and really cool matches and stuff like that that they were able to put together. You know, Okada comes back, Osprey comes back, Tanahashi did some matches for them, did some world title matches. Um, so he really did bring it to bring it to where, where it was at with just his, you know, deal-making abilities and with just having a roster that was super hungry and wanting to fight for him, you know what I mean? And they, and they have removed that, and I think that's sad. Scott Demore seemed to build the bridge between every company possible because he would have New Japan guys work with him. He would have AEW guys work with him. And then he'd send his women's champion to the Royal Rumble at WWE. Yeah. Like yeah. the guy was willing to work with and it seemed like everybody was willing to work with him. I, mm-hmm. That's just a good, good guy to have around. I wish that they could have just spent more time and figured out what was going on, make it better, find some common ground. I don't know if we'll ever get the real truth because one side's going to say this, the other side's going to say that. Mm. But it just seemed like it would have been in the best interest of all parties to figure out a way to make this work. Personally, I think Scott Demore should. I think he's got a small indie promotion. I think there's on the indies there's been a gap for an evolve type company that's not, you know, it's not AEW, not TNA, not looking to make TV, but still holding big events that can help young talent get to the next level he seems like the perfect guy to do that 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he has Border City Wrestling. It's been, uh, you know, indie for a long time, and now he can kind of focus on that. He owns that promotion. They have their own wrestling school. It's Josh Alexander is the 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 lead trainer for, which means you're probably going to crank out some pretty good talent. Yeah. So, and a lot of great talent to come through that school. Like he's a he's a really good trainer, and uh, which is why he's so close to all these wrestlers is because. Like he hires a lot of people that he personally had like a hand in training and booking and things like that. So um, I, I could see him just kind of going back. Look, he's independently wealthy. I could see him putting some money into uh, border city wrestling. And um, I don't see him like starting. Um, I don't see him like running opposition, meaning like, I don't see him like, no. like doing something like an NWA or a MLW no. or something like that. But I could see him absolutely like doing big things, the border city doing some ch shows in Detroit and Windsor um that john muse will likely you know go to <laughs> yeah like i said there there's that gap there in the indie wrestling scene right now for the bigger indie shows yeah and he's the guy's built up a lot of i don't know good good credit or whatever with with the wrestling talent everybody seems to like him i could see some people willing to work for him if their contract comes up in tna not going to be anything yeah. where it's a permanent job for him but, you know, say somebody like Jordan Grace, somebody like Josh Alexander, you know, if they're not going to make the jump immediately to AEW or WWE, if you're the company at TNA, if you're Anthem, you've you've got some ground to make up with these people because all reports are a lot of them are not very happy right now. Yeah, yeah they all wrote a, a big uh, a bunch of them got together to write like a letter. They, a letter they, they did a, a letter writing campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's like uh, there's some folks online in like one of the TNA Facebook pages that I follow. I post my shit in there sometimes, and uh, they did a change.org. It's <laughs> like, I guys, uh, I don't know, is is that legal in Canada? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, can, can that like they signed a petition online to get Scott Demore hired back? Um, you know, and I talked about it, I talked about it earlier today on uh, on Brace for Impact, which is actually out on uh, patreon.com. So go to patreon.com slash the Mike and JD show. Um, I think we did like you know, we I already I covered this topic this morning. I was just curious to what you had to say, but um, yeah, I I uh, they essentially merged over into this Anthem Entertainment group under this Chichone guy, Chon Chon guy. Yeah, we're gonna call him Anthony Chon Chon. Um, that's what we'll call him. Yeah. Um, fan, fans of American me will understand that joke. Um, so some of you, some of the older guys who've maybe seen American me know exactly what I'm talking about, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, so Chon Chon, um, put everybody under this umbrella and they kind of, you know, revamping things a little bit. And really what they're looking for is like, they're calling it efficiency. They're using these buzzwords. They're going to streamline yeah. things. They're trying to, they're just going to do budget cuts. So essentially we're going to have like similar creative stuff with, um, you know, with a slashed budget, um, they're probably going to strip it down quite a bit. Uh, Joe Lanza talked about it on his show last night. He's got some connects inside TNA. The, they're not making money. You know, they really just get a budget from Anthem, and that's how they produce their their television show is just based off of a budget because they don't have a rights fee per se. So they're not really making any money. Their their money comes from all of their international deals and their YouTube and TNA Plus, which they're probably not getting much out of their pay per views. Although hard to kill. Did over thirty thousand, so you're probably looking at a pretty good chunk of a good number there, like a good dollar figure amount there. But um, they're they're not really making a ton of money, so they're probably spending much more than they're actually raking in. So they're not, and they just kept asking for money despite not bringing in the money. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of you know kind of kind of sucks for them. I I can see their budget getting slashed. I can see some contracts getting cut. I think it's going to be a tough next quarter here for TNA. Yeah, you know, 
pretty much all of the last half of last year, I was praying for like, you know, Will Ospreay, sign there. You know, yeah. Mercedes, sign there. Okada, somebody, get a big name. Get CM Punk. Man, am I glad that didn't happen now. Because, yeah, th- those contracts probably wouldn't have been cut because they would have been the most valuable. But seeing one of those big stars in a stripped-down TNA would have been a sad sight to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I I definitely agree. It, you know, the whole thing sucks, and it sucks. It sucks for my podcast. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, Joe, you sent this one to me earlier. Um, there was a female writer that left. I can't remember her name. Do you remember what her name was? Uh, was um, Jennifer. You know, I, I feel bad for forgetting because she really was my favorite writer in WWE. Yeah, I, yeah. I want her name def- her entire career there. For yeah, the and five, I definitely think that fifteen years. Jennifer uh, Jennifer Pepperman. Jennifer yeah. Pepperman was a writer and producer was released um, from uh, WWE and uh, you know, she was the, probably the greatest writer that they had. And I really hope that Tony Khan signs her. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, she did all of the best things that uh, you know, the WWE women's division has seen uh, that yeah. one storyline that everybody loved was definitely her. Um, yep. The funny thing that I think, I can't remember if it was the observer or PWI, who reported it that, you know, she just wanted something different and it should be noted who she was close friends with. Ooh. Uh, Mercedes Monet. 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 Yeah. You know, maybe Jennifer was wanting more Monet in her bank account. (laughs) Well, Tony, 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 Tony Khan is really throwing that money around right now. So maybe he's going to be bringing over, um, Peppermint. What's what was the, in Iron Man? What was uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's name Pepper in that Potts. movie? Pepper Potts. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what it made me think because, of. Pepper Potts. Because Stan Lee likes to do a lot of uh, same letter names, like you know Pepper Potts, you know the, mm-hmm. the PP Bruce Banner. He's really into that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I that I just I thought that was uh, I thought that was interesting. Okay, before oh so Drew Drew McIntyre contract. Are they going to resign Drew McIntyre? I mean they got it right. Yeah, they're. Uh, they have they're teasing that CM Punk match so hard yeah. that won't be able to happen for what eight to nine months at the earliest. Uh, I don't think Drew leans into that so hard if he's not going to be around. Uh, the Observer added that time has been added to his contract, so it's not up in April. Uh, they haven't said how much time. I'm sure no one aside from Drew and a few key people in the TKO verse will know. Uh, he's not going anywhere, and he's probably not going to no. take any time off. Um, no, I I think he's going to win the title at Mania. I think he's you think, you think he beats Seth. I think he beats Seth on night two, with the okay. help of the Rock. Drew is going to be the perfect corporate champion. He will be right. the perfect corporate champion. All right. Well, Joe Joe is predicting that uh, old Drew McIntyre. Not a prediction. Um, it's a spoiler. No, it's just, uh, the former <laughs> TNA champion, Drew Galloway, yeah. is going to be the WWE uh, bronze gold medal winner. He's going to be the bronze medal winner, yes. uh, Drew McIntyre, getting the third-tier championship from off of Seth Rollins. Boy, did they make that title look like shit over this whole storyline with Roman Reigns and Cody. Yeah. <laughs> they totally Drew, shit on the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Drew's going to be the guy to, to make it look better. He's going to look yeah. great with that belt. Yeah. Oh, hopefully. Hopefully. Hold on. Stephen Patrick in the chat says, uh, I read that Access TV is looking to rebrand as well. Yeah, you know, I read PW Insider had that earlier today. I don't know what that means, That was, but I did feel like that was the most interesting part of that story, um, that uh, Access TV is looking to rebrand. 
but I don't even know what that would mean because we thought that, you know, so TNA did the rebrand. We thought they're overhauling their production studio, but apparently that money just went nowhere because it looks exactly the same. They just hired a new graphics department. Um, so I don't know what they would do with Access TV. I My idea, and I had this whenever TNA was, was announced that they were relaunching, I was like, Access needs to call up um, Paramount and said, hey, look, guys, you're not using the name Spike TV. Let us just buy the name Spike TV, right? And and we will do like a barter deal or something. Like we'll give you our Ario Speedwagon videos that you can put on your shitty VH1. And just let us have the name Spike. And then Access TV could be rebranded to Spike TV. I, I, I said last year they should do that. Um, and now I do know that one member of their creative team follows me, and we have DM'd before. And maybe he took that idea and presented it to the Access TV bosses. I don't know. But if that does happen, I am taking complete and total full credit for it. But um, I think that Spike TV was an awesome channel. It was perfect for guys like me, just like dudes who like to watch like dude shit. You know what I mean? It was a very toxic, you know, toxic masculinity channel. And I think we need to bring it back. I used to watch um, A Thousand Ways to Die and Mansers on there. Did you ever watch Mansers? I did. And, yeah. And they actually had some like really cool, uh, really cool documentaries on there. Like one of my favorite Muhammad Ali documentaries called facing Ali was from spike TV. I just thought yeah. that was good. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that that's, that's where they go. Like that's what they should do. Now. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like they got that kind of balls, but hopefully no. is uh, access TV. I feel like the only thing aside from wrestling I've ever seen on there is like music related docs or like, yeah music concerts do they do anything aside from that no 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 so it's it's like it's music game shows like they have cash cab and then like they have eddie trunk going to concerts and giving out concert tickets they got like uh you know best of the 80s best of the 90s they got so the one thing that did come out today was that eric young is going to be hosting a tv show in there called uh vinyl something about vinyl rescue or something where he's going to go around and uh look for like like records yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's going to be doing that. Um, like looking for, I don't know, just going around all these antique shops or something and looking for yeah, records. But that that's um, the kind of stuff that the demographic that TV channels want, really want to yeah. see. Right. Yeah. That, that's if you your go 18 to, to 31 or 18 to 49 graphic right there. Yeah. Yeah. They're going for the Joe Biden, Donald Trump demo as well. Yeah. And I think they got it. They got it nailed down. Just like people falling asleep at their TV because they're watching Sammy Hagar videos at like, you know, yeah. nine in the morning. And uh, they they go to bed at six, and hopefully they leave on the TV long enough to keep Impact going. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. I don't know. I, Access TV really needs to decide what they what the channel wants to be, and where TNA fits in that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, going back to Scott Demore, I think I texted you this as soon as the news broke. But like, without Scott Demore, TNA is probably just a tape library on Peacock right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I. You know, and honestly, if they're going to be making budget cuts, if they're not making money, I could still see that happening in the future, or maybe just the tape library that Tony Khan owns. I mean, WWE is not the only player in terms of buying tape libraries anymore. Uh, I could see Tony Khan wanting to buy them and being a part of whatever they do with Warner in the future. But you've got to decide what you want to be, and with the way the media landscape is shaping out this year, you got to decide pretty fast. I think they just want it to be like the way that Sinclair treated TNA or treated Ring of Honor. They just want it to be cheap programming for their stations because they're not going to get rid of their stations because the stations, that's Anthem. 
they have they have a bunch of different like small channels that sun barely any cable you know properties and tna is number one on all of them like they have you know game tv and you know they used to be on the hunting channel called pursuit they used to be on there yeah. but um they're on you know fight network in the us and in canada and they're on they have a fantasy sports channel and that i think eric young hosted show on there like about like fantasy hockey or something like that yeah. so they they have a lot of channels um and acts you know tna is like number one on most of those channels so that's why they like it they just don't want to spend any money on it anymore they want to get the budget under control because they were like they're not because are any of these anthem channels on any streaming services like youtube tv hulu live any of that um no so they um sling i believe and philo is what they were on and then I know I I just I just canceled my Spectrum again, but they were on like Spectrum. You can get the Spectrum app, and I had the Spectrum app here, so they were on that. So yeah, they just um, let's see, Twan Twang Twan Mac here in the chat says Verizon uh, dropped access on January first. Yeah, so they just lost Verizon FiOS, which they covered a part of the Northeast. So that's uh, that's pretty tough there. But they did get expansive coverage on Xfinity, so they're on Xfinity in a lot more markets. So um, I you know. I, I don't think that they just dissolve it completely because Scott Demore offered to buy it and they turned him down. Yeah. They didn't even make a counter offer. They didn't even provide what their number would be. They just said no. So um, that doesn't mean they wouldn't be willing to sell because I bet if somebody came with a strong offer, they would sell it. Um, yeah. But you would have, if you're going to make a strong offer, it, ha- it would have to be more than just a tape library. You would be buying something that you think is viable that is going to make you money long term. And which means you're going to be running live events and hoping to get a TV deal. That would be the only reason to, to, to pay for it at a, at a, at a higher price. Right. Uh, if you had a TV deal in your back pocket. Um, but they, they just didn't even, they didn't even inter- entertain it. So um, let's see, let's go back to the chat. King of the North said they should cut you in on the deal. Mike, absolutely. Dude, I'll negotiate that deal. Hell yeah. <laughs> like who else is thinking of this fucking shit? It's only me. Yeah. Um, IO says 1000 ways to die and repo games. Yeah. And then they had pros versus Joe's. You guys remember that show? That was a cool show. I saw Jerry Rice, like burning some dudes on there and like, uh, Roy Jones jr. Beat somebody up. And I think so did Tito Ortiz. Yeah. Um, they said, make it, make it a movie or a sports channel. Like you can have both. Like like, they have HD net movies. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a movie channel, but like on Monday nights, you could have like movie of the week. And then you can bring like Tuesday night fights back. Like they used to be on USA back in the day. Um, and then like, you know, Thursday could be TNA. And then you can do, if you want to do concerts on the weekends or whatever, you got Invicta FC. They're supposed to be starting up a boxing promotion. Like, I think that would be cool. And it would all be on like, a, like a newly revamped spike or something like that. I think that would yeah. be cool. But uh, I just don't find these people to be very serious. And I just don't think that they would invest what would, it would be necessary to be successful. Yeah, I I like your idea. And going back to the thousand ways to die, I just got to say my favorite part about that TV show was how every person who died on there of some crazy batshit way always turned out to be the hugest dick in the world. And you were rooting yeah. for them to die in one of those <laughs> one thousand ways. Yeah. So, yeah, bring back Spike TV. Do it. Like, yeah, there's really I don't know there that kind of TV is missing. And everyone wants that 18 to 49 graphic. There's that gra- demographic there that 30 to 45 year olds who are still going to watch live TV. Yeah. If it's the right shit for them, you know, dude, I'm one of few people. Um, my wife was like, why do you want cable again? Yeah. And like, why do you need to have like a TV guide on the, like a, a cable guide? And I was like, I just want to see what shows are on. 
Yeah. And she's like, but you have all these on-demand options. I was like, I know, but I want to tune into the channel. <laughs> I have every TV show or movie I could ever want at my fingertips. And yeah. I still like pulling up a live guide just to see what's out there. It's how you discover new stuff. Um, yeah. I don't trust other people's opinions because people are stupid. I want to find yeah. new stuff myself. Yeah. Um, speaking of stupid, it is that time. It is returning. Um, we are going to bring it back. It's been a long time since we've done this. But it is now time for bad tweets. Bad tweets is back. So this bad tweet comes from uh, Gerard. Gerard from Bodyslam.net at BearDown316. And you can tag him in this bad tweet. <laughs> he said, because he and I had this whole discussion. We had a whole debate the other day. And I told him this was coming. And I said, my friends are eligible for bad tweets too. So he says, Tony, oh, I have to go back to it. Tony Khan accusing Rossi of being a double agent and then hiring Rocky Romero to do the same thing is certainly a choice. Um, that's a bad tweet because that didn't happen. <laughs> like, he, like he hired Rocky Romero, and I've explained this to Drew, so we're all like fine now. And and I I think he was I think I'm a bad influence on people. I'm a bad influence on Gerard, especially when I get on my conspiracy kicks. Yeah. Like I think he was getting like conspiracy brain a little bit on that deal, thinking that uh, Tony Khan brought um, brought Rocky Romero in to poach talent from uh, from New Japan and from CMLL. When in fact it's he's there to like he's going to be doing the same job for AEW that he currently does for um, New Japan. He's going to be doing it for both companies. So he didn't actually take anybody. Yeah. Uh, if anything, he would be a guy that could help you know bridge the gap between cmll and new japan which i think he's like that's part of his deal is to be the liaison um he he's gonna be that guy to prevent these people from going over to wwe now he did think that that was like that was a bad thing it's like well you're hindering them from making the most money i was like no he's not their agent right he would just be like hey come over here instead of going over there but if if they have an agent and WWE offers them more money than they would go, nobody's going to stop them, yeah. but he would be a guy to help prevent like an Okada from going to WWE. But I don't think Tony Khan is going to be like targeting Yoda Suji or Shota <laughs> Umino in the next year or two to offer them, you know, seven figure contracts. And then Rocky is the, is the reason why that's happening. I just don't see that being the case. No, but you know, Zack Sabre jr. On the other hand, whose contract does come up next year, probably. Yeah, I, but that's not but that's not a poach. <laughs> like their contract expires, yeah. right? And in and, and Zack Saber Jr. has been in New Japan for almost a decade. I think he's been there since 2016, right? And so Probably like he than can, that. yeah, he's not going to stay there forever. And so if you have a guy that is connected with New Japan and New Japan would rather their guy go to you know AEW versus WWE, then I think that's 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 a good thing. I don't see this as a bad thing. Now I will say. Every guy that um, AEW has signed off the New Japan roster has not gone back to AEW or New Japan. Yeah. Jay White has not wrestled a single match in New Japan other than at Forbidden Door since he left, right? And it's been the case for all the other talents that they brought back. Now Takeshi has gone back to DDT at times, mm -hmm. but the, like the New Japan guy, like like uh, Ozzy Open, they haven't gone back. So maybe there's. I think that's worth looking into, right? Where New Japan is. You know they they want to send their people to AEW versus WWE so they get access to them later. Well, that just has not been the case. Like yeah. it just it just hasn't happened other than at Forbidden Door. Yeah, you know, and I was thinking about this specifically earlier uh, for for those New Japan guys and really all of AEW talent. 
you do have the access to do a lot of stuff outside of AEW. Why would you want to? If you're getting paid full-time money and you don't have to work full-time, why would you risk going back to New Japan and potentially getting hurt and losing your spot in AEW? Why would you risk going to an indie show and risk getting hurt over something? Well, so the older guys, they they like keeping like more matches is better for them. Yeah. In, in their in their opinion, right? These young kids that are their private party and some of these other little shits, they don't work anywhere because they're lazy, right? Yeah. Like all these other guys that are that are like Sky Blue works everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, but all these other like younger cats, they're they're just coasting in AEW are, and they're not improving. They should be are, working everywhere. Are are they lazy or are they getting paid full time money for part time work? If you had the choice yeah. between the two, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what would you yeah, do? But oh, I'm lazy. I would right. do it. Yeah. I, I, but you know what? But the, here's the thing is they're not getting any better. Yeah. They're, they're just well, not, they're, they're, they're I, not like hook. Hook is not better t- today than he was a year ago. He just isn't. But he does work for a company that has at this point, what between ring of honor and AEW 11 hours of weekly TV. Use them. Book them. <laughs> yeah, better. Yeah, Use book them. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not always, it takes both. It takes the wrestler and the booker use the people you have on your roster you know yeah and if, on, if got... they're not good if they're not improving go ahead and kick big swole out the door because she's not a good wrestler go yeah. ahead and kick other people out the door if they're not improving i mean yeah use them or lose them hold on we got some smart asses in the chat always correcting me let's see king of the north said jay white lost a match where he can't go back yeah that's true <laughs> i forgot yeah. about that <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he lost said, the match uh... and he can't go back unless eddie kingston says yes and who yeah. has control over Eddie Kingston saying yes? Not Eddie yeah. Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> Josiah says, as for Aussie Open, Mark Davis is injured. Yeah, but Kyle Fletcher is not hurt. He could go yeah. back. Um, but yeah, AEW talents are appearing on New Japan shows. Well, of course they are. How do you look? Uh, New Japan is selling all them tickets because they put Moxley and Kingston on top. They're not selling those yes. tickets because they got fucking Naito on top. You take yeah. Moxley out of there, they're not selling all them tickets. It's just not happening. Yeah, Moxley, and especially more lately, it seems like, is making it a point to go back to New Japan. Uh, Danielson Danielson loves doing the big shows over there. Um, I I wish Claudio would get to do more. Um, I would love to see Claudio in the G1 this year. I really would. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Um, And then so King of the North says, also to note, New Japan World has the TV distribution rights in Japan for AEW. Yeah, that's true. So... um, and so there you go there. All right. One more bad tweet. Um, let me see, pull it up here. I got one more and this one's a, this one's disappointing. I like, bur- I like burying my friends. So I like me making fun of Gerard. I like to do that, yeah. but I, I was not coming for this guy, this guy, O'Shea Jackson, Jr. Uh, Ice Cube Jr. Okay. This fucking guy. I have been, I've taken it easy on this dude. Cause he's ice cubes kid and ice cube is a hero of mine. Yeah. Like, le- like legit. Okay. Like, like, like legitimate. Like I loved the NWA. I loved his music. Like predator is one of the greatest records ever made Friday to this day. If it's on, I, I can recite every single word in that movie while I'm watching. I just can't. Right. I, I just happen to really like ice cube. And so I'm like, okay. And I thought O'Shea Jackson, ice cube jr. 
I thought Junior was really good in the NWA movie. I thought he did awesome. Yeah. And he's been in some other movies. I'm like, this guy's pretty, actually a pretty good little actor. Like he's probably not gonna be his dad. He's not gonna be a big star, but he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but he's been um he's you know, he's fed pilled as well. He's been out there trolling AEW fans, he's having a good time trolling AEW fans. Um, but this is where he messed up because now he's just like, he bullshits a lot, but now he's just saying like something that just isn't true. Um, and he said, WWF made war games to spite Dusty's creation. Starcade. So, Joe, can I tell you who created war games? Dusty Rhodes did. Dusty uh, Rhodes did. Now, I want to say, hold oh, on. no, because he is hundred percent wrong, but yeah, I, I hope he just mixed up the survivor names because <laughs> he made, didn't, he survivor Vince survivor. created Survivor Series yeah, despite did. Dusty's creation. So uh, hopefully he just got because the last two years it's been Survivor Series War Games. Yeah. So hopefully he just got those two confused. It's my dude, just do a little bit only... more research. Just that much more research before you yeah. tweet. Think before yes. you tweet. Yeah, oh, think before you tweet, or you end up on bad tweets. Um, yeah. which actually, never mind, don't think before you tweet because I need more content. <laughs> so, there's yes, plenty of content out it, there. It is very likely that uh, that he met Survivor Series, but look at look at my dude Josiah yeah. down there at the bottom getting all kinds of getting all kinds of likes. He said, Dusty invented war games, my dude. <laughs> in the mo- <laughs> but yeah, he like, but in like his Canadian voice, <laughs> and like yeah. he's a pastor too. So <laughs> he's doing it like the most polite way. He's like, yeah. now go with God, O'Shea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And you know what? There's 13,000 views on that tweet, and probably 12,000 of them are sitting there thinking, yeah. WWF did create war games just to spite <laughs> Dusty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so that's so funny. Well, uh, that was it for bad tweets today. I, uh, let's see. John John Mew says uh, this is not the only bad take by O'Shea. So O'Shea's takes are just because he just prefers WWE over AEW, mm-hmm. um, and so he likes to antagonize people. And a lot of the stuff he says is just stupid, right? But I have been giving him a pass because I just see him for what he is. He's a guy looking for attention from wrestling fans, despite the fact that he's a pretty successful actor. Now who, who, um, who, who put it in here? Oh yeah. I, I, production says den of thieves. Um, I have not seen den of thieves. Have you seen that one, Joe? But a lot of people have told me that this is a really good movie. So I might actually add this to my list. Cause look, yeah, I don't like his Twitter behavior. I think he's an idiot, but I, I I think the guy's pretty good on TV. I like him. I'll I'll get it up tonight. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. What else we got? Ooh, you miss Ryan Satin arguing with Meltzer. Yeah, you know, arguing with Ryan Satin, you might as well argue with, a, you know, a bucket of paint. He's an idiot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, lastly, IO Production says, O'Shea just having fun messing with wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, you can tell he's being disingenuous, and so you got to call it out when you see it. Yeah. But, uh, guys, everybody in the chat, I really do appreciate you for being here. Please do me the favor. I'm going to do this one more time because we really do want to support JD. Um, I really want you guys to go to the Mike and JD Show YouTube channel. And please, please, please do me the big favor of liking um, JD's video. Um, 
the he doesn't know that I'm doing this, and I, knowing JD is probably not watching because he's you know traveling. And when is he gonna have time to watch? But I want you to to like the his movie, the um, Independence, uh, wrestling with a community. I'm pulling it up right now, and here I'll, I'll mute this. But it's JD's movie. He he wrote, he directed it, he produced it. It is a documentary movie that he um, went to Independence, Iowa, to, and he spent a long time with this wrestling team, like an entire season with the wrestling team. He actually moved to Iowa for a little bit uh, and filmed this documentary. It's really, really good. Please do me a favor. Go and hit the like button and then go down and then just drop a comment on there and tell JD you like this movie. And that way we can uh, defeat the algorithm there. So I would, I would really greatly appreciate that. Uh, please, please do me that favor. Um, let's support let's support our guy JD, especially while he's out uh, traveling for the state wrestling championships. But uh, guys, that is going to do it for us uh, this week on uh, the Mike and JD show. JD should be back next week, so no more no more Joe. You guys are off the hook for listening to Joe. So <laughs> no more no more Joe. Uh, stay tuned for uh, on Patreon. Joe and I are actually going to take five, and then we're going to come right back, and we're going to record uh, the latest edition of Sting's Greatest Rivals. And TNA fans in the chat, you're going to want to hear this. We're doing Sting versus Kurt Angle. Joe actually spent his entire day watching Sting and Kurt Angle matches. I think how many did you watch today? Four? Did I, you watch four? I, I watched three. Three. Okay, I watched. Matches. I watched four because I actually watched the empty arena match that they yeah. did too. So I, I watched actually four. So, um, yeah. So that's what we're gonna do after this. So until next time, mahalo. Uh, uh, uh. Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-man No rain from the track when we unite and spit This is an A-game, better bring your A-game Competition starting to get thick, it's the click So I hope you watch your A-game, A-man No rain from the track when we My name is Tyler Fornis and I am one of the co-hosts of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.